If you go into a Sam's Club, there's... Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. It's a quote that's attributed to Helen Walton. It was one of her favorite quotes. And it says, it's not what you gather, but what you scatter that tells the type of life that you've lived. And while we were doing character camp, that was one of the things like we were talking about our members and some of what we'd learned about them, their member insights. And it sounded like that quote. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it. And the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. My guest today on the CMO podcast is Sierra Anfield, the Senior Vice President, Chief Membership and Marketing Officer at Sam's Club. Sam's has a special place in my heart. It opened its first store in 1983, the year I married my wife and the year I started at Procter & Gamble. Now, 40 years later, Sam's revenue is about the size of P&G's at $80 billion plus. As you likely know, Sam's is a membership warehouse club store model with limited items at exceptional value. Sam's Club has about 600 locations across the U.S. and Puerto Rico, with locations also in Mexico, Brazil, and China. Sam's is part of larger Walmart, which once again topped the Fortune 500 with revenue of about $611 billion. My guest, Sierra, worked at Walmart for 12 years in multiple roles before moving to Sam's Club in 2020. She was promoted to CMO about a year ago. We recorded this show at the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity in the middle of a very energetic week. Here's my chat with Sierra. Sierra, welcome to the CMO Podcast. Is this your is this your first time in Cannes? It absolutely is. Thank you for having me here um, on the CMO Pat- Podcast. And I arrived in Cannes yesterday, and I've just been taking it all in. So, what's your first impression? You know, you've been here like I don't know thirty six hours. How would you describe this incredible phenomenon? So. I'll tell you what I described it to some people before I left work as what I in how I had it in my mind. I said, I think it's like CES, but for marketers. <laughs> that was a bit of a, you know, yeah. first thought. But now that I'm here, I think 
I think it might even be more extensive than that in terms of just the amount of content that's available, the amount of people that are here. I tell you, we have three of us here from Sam's Club. It's myself and two of our VPs. And we're going to take advantage of your CMO Accelerator program later in the week, which I think is a great opportunity for development. But the rest of the week, we still have planned with so much content that each of us are taking things in, we're fully booked, and we're not overlapping. So it's pretty amazing the amount of inspiration and content for marketers and, say, just anyone in this industry. I think if I ask a bunch of industry people who would they expect to be at Cannes, yes. you would hear Xbox, Nike, BMW, LVMH, but you probably wouldn't hear Sam's Club. So I think it's awesome you're here because it's unexpected. So could you talk a bit about why you and a couple of your team decided that this was the right thing for you, your team, and the company? Absolutely. Well, I think one of the things that's really important as leaders is that you make sure you're taking time to grow and develop and get external sources of inspiration. And so in addition to any books that you're reading or what you're doing on your own, sometimes you have to get out of your bubble, get out of your space just to understand more about what's happening and how other people are seeing it. Other people in your industry, other thought leaders. And that's what I really like about this opportunity at Can is because there's so many people. You see people at the, you know, the top marketers for many different brands, many different companies, all merged together with agencies and creatives and really talking about the craft. And that's how you get better is you expose yourself to the best and continue to push beyond. Now, maybe this is a coincidence, but this is also the year you did your first Super Bowl spot. The great spot with Kevin Hart, who's here, by the way. He was on stage this morning. Is it a coincidence or is there somehow related? You, you know, th- those are two big acts of creativity in mm. one year, showing up on the Super Bowl with a great spot and coming to Cannes. That's a signal. So is it a coincidence or is there something going on in Sam's Club, like a, a double down on creativity and external focus? You know, I think it's best described as a bit of a journey that we're on as Sam's Club as a brand. We've long thought of ourselves as a wholesale retailer. That's what we are. But the recognition that we are also a brand and we should act and communicate our story as a brand is something that we're leaning into a little bit more. So in 2022, we did our Super Bowl spot with Kevin Hart. And then later that year, we did the movie trailer, the Merry Like This holiday movie trailer with him. And... This year, we brought on board two new agencies of record, one for creative and one for media. And it's really just an evolution of how we tell our story. There was a period of time when we like to say we allowed the brand or our perception is we may have allowed the brand to feel a little bit dated. People weren't as connected to it in the moment. Their relationship or association with Sam's Club was, well, that was the club that I used to go to with my mom and dad or my grandma and grandpa, and not really having a connection with Sam's Club in that moment. What we've been doing is trying to help reconnect people to the brand, and that is by being where they are and telling them relevant stories about how Sam's Club can fit into their life. So from that respect, yes, I think the Super Bowl 
was one of those moments yep. where we found an opportunity to connect into a really popular moment with an entertainment icon, Kevin Hart, and tell a story about how Sam's Club offers convenience to its members, which really had them feeling like VIPs in the context of our club. Yeah, that's great. You have two agency partners that are new. Yes. Are you doing things special with them here at Cannes? to look at things together or talk yes, about your partnership? Yes, we have that planned uh, for tomorrow. We're going to do a tour of the work with Arnold. And I'm excited to see what's there and uh, really hone into what are those things, those insights behind the work or ways that it was brought to life that can be inspiring thoughts for us to latch on to as we continue to develop our story. Well, you hope you come back next year and I have an idea for you when you come back next year. I think Sam's Club should have a big kiosk right in the main street by the Palais where all the work is shown and sell rosé by bulk. You know, I think there'd be a market for that. <laughs> you 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 say that in jest, but we actually <laughs> were talking about that last night when I saw some of those huge bottles of rosé that are here. I said, that feels like they bought that at a Sam's Club. I know, I'm not <laughs> saying it, it half in jest, but I think it would be really profitable. I, there's a I, lot of rosé consumed here at very high prices. There's a so, lot there's a lot being consumed here. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of things that they need and I was thinking about that just a few hours ago. I said, you know, we could set up with a Sam a small selection of Sam's Club items on one side and Walmart on the other and I think we'd help a lot of people get the things that they're needing. I'd be there first. <laughs> there isn't a grocery store nearby too, you know. No. So I think I think it's an idea. Yes. We'll talk I, about I love it after it. the show. I love it. Okay, good. <laughs> We're we'll right at plan after the show. <laughs> so you've been at Sam's Club about three years. You've been CMO about a year. And you, before that, you were 12 years at Walmart. Do yes. I have that right? Yes, that's right. As I looked at these three years that you've been at Sam's Club, they have been good ones, right? Top line growth, increased investments in media, new partnerships, market innovations. So could you talk a bit about what's going on inside this culture that is generating these great results and this innovation. So I'm always curious when I yes. see some things in the marketplace that are interesting, exciting, a bit unexpected, what the heck is going on? So could you talk a bit about that? You are exactly right. It is a very exciting time at Sam's Club. Uh, one thing we've shared recently is that over the last three years, our membership base has grown by 30%. And so- amazing. It is very exciting to see just this reinvigoration in the business. And one of the things that I'll credit to credit it to is just a focus, a renewed focus on what is our model. And we've instituted that through the flywheel. And we spent some time, and I won't go through all the details of it, but I think what has really helped propel us is what's at the core. And the first step of our flywheel, the first piece of it is build a member obsessed culture because it starts with the customer. It all starts with for Sam's club, our member. And that means every Monday we come into work. The first thing, one of the first things that we do in the morning, we have a trade meeting with all of our leaders and we're looking at the business through the eyes of the member. What, uh, how, what has moved in terms of some key metrics? How satisfied are they feeling with different parts of the business? What are they perceiving as our value? And mm. we look at this every single week and over time, and some of these things are more volatile than others. A lot is very stable, 
But even the smallest change that, you know, and of course our teams, we look at it, is it a statistically significant difference? But even the smallest change, a point of change will drive a conversation on what's going on. What do we think are the drivers there? What can we do to help? And many times it's a lot of follow-up action just to make sure that we're looking at what we need to do to help serve the member better. And when you have the organization, particularly the leadership, really aligned in that type of mentality, it drives the types of decisions, the types of actions that can't help but to spur growth. It's also inspiring. It is. Right. Every time I felt like I was a little stale, I went out and spent time with consumers, took my team out, walked a store, visit a retailer, go to someone's home. Mm -hmm. And it always gives you affirmation that you're doing something that's meaningful. Absolutely. I mean, if if there's ever a moment when you're not sure what to do next, talking to members, talking to the customers, they will tell you lots of things that you can focus on. And it's about how do you prioritize those things and really recognize where it is that you need to go and how it is that you can help remove friction for them or just serve them better. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. Now, you're a year into the job as CMO. How do you feel about the year? I mean, if you what went well for you? You know, what did you learn? I mean, the first year as a CMO, I remember it well, my first year as a CMO, it's a, it was, you know, it was a vertical startup Yes. and some things I felt good about and some I didn't. Mm-hmm. So talk to, to, talk to us about what you learned in your year one. Year one, I'd say it was good. I always see the opportunity and improvement. I guess that's my superpower is like, I can see this could be better. <laughs> this mm-hmm. could be sure. better. So I'm very critical of myself and I see lots of things that I could have done better. I'll say most of the initial months was really spent trying to build the team and focus on getting the right people in the right job. First thing was backfilling myself in that VP of marketing role, which is very critical and very critical to your success as a CMO. So that was the early emphasis. And then really trying to bring the team together in the latter part of the year to make sure we were focused on the right strategies for this year and trying to move from a place where I felt historically our teams might have looked at our functions as individuals and say, okay, well, I'm doing marketing and this is what I'm going to do. And here is my agenda and I'm doing membership and I'm doing analytics and contact center, you name it. Everyone kind of focused 
in on their own priorities, which were all very valuable and good. But how could I help align the team on what were some some common things that we all needed to work on? Retention, being a membership business, retention is very important. And while we see really high levels of retention within our tenured members, upwards and beyond 90% uh, for first year members, it just isn't that way. And so what could we do there to drive first year renewal and retention? That is one of the things that we came together and said, that's not a marketing initiative. That's not a membership. That That's all of us. We've all got to come together and wear our hats of our respective functions to solve a unified problem that we have. What are you spending your personal time on these days? You know, I know you're about, you about your team. Yes. But so, and when you think about your agenda and what you really want to impact personally, what, what is what are some of the areas you're focusing on? So within my space, I would say one of the biggest things that I want to lean into is personalization and how do we accelerate where we are in that journey? We have the benefit of having a tremendous amount of data on our members because it's a membership model. We know everything that they purchase with us offline and online. And that allows us to really be more tailored and focused in the way we communicate with them. And we haven't fully realized that capability yet. So that's a space that our teams are working on. How do we build out our personalization engines, next best action, and bring it all together so that, Jim, the next time you're looking for a sweatsuit for (laughs) for your wife wife, or something, we can show you, hey, here's some styles that you might like. And maybe even maybe we even know like that moment that you're going to buy it because it was for an occasion. It was for a special occasion. We can prompt you with the right things at the right time. That's something that is a project that's near and dear to my heart and that I'm spending more time on. Actually, we in our structure have that function, which is personalization and CRM report directly to me so that it can be closer, even though it does traditionally fall within the world of marketing. You talked a bit a few minutes ago about the Sands Club brand, and you're working to make it ever more relevant today and of the moment yes. and building on its lovely history and equity, but but making it even more contemporary. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge a lot of brand builders have in mm. our audience that are listening. So what are you learning about that? I mean, how to tackle it, how to approach it? How do you know what to change and not to change? Yes. So walk us through sort of your thought process. One of the things that I think can be helpful as you try to figure that out is how do you stay connected to a purpose, right? And so it's not about being cool and different and new for the sake of being cool and different and new, but really finding a more updated and current way to deliver your true message. And we've done a lot of work over the past probably year and a half at Sam's to really work on the articulation of what is our mission. You know, we're under we're under the Walmart umbrella, so still very connected to mm-hmm. the things that they do um, and our overarching purpose as an enterprise. But specifically within Sam's Club, we thought there was an opportunity to help refine how we talk about what we do for our members. What role do we play in our members' lives? And just a few weeks ago, actually, at our shareholders meeting in Bentonville, Mm -hmm. we brought 
an associate from every club in and a couple hundred associates from different operations and talk to them about our mission, which is to make it easy for our members to share more, serve more and live more. Mm. That is, I think, the core of how we'll be talking about being more relevant as a brand or updating our communication. It is how do we continue to communicate the core of what we're doing, the why Sam's Club, why are they choosing us? And I think if you keep that in mind, you won't stray too far off the path. That That's, I think, how we're looking at it right now. It's a beautiful purpose, articulation. How did you arrive at that, uh, your process to engage everyone so they felt it was theirs and yes. they couldn't wait to bring it? So tell us what you learned on that journey. Yes, it, it, it wasn't a one and done. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that much. We did several rounds of work with different partners to really hone in on the story and who we are. I mean, it included character camp and understanding a little bit about character camps, a small agency that specializes in brand stories. Yes. Yes. So understanding them at PNG. Wonderful team. And when you dig into the tension, what's your core tension as a brand? And then what's the hero? So we had a cross-functional team of people involved in that. And that got us very close, very close to where we wanted to be. One of the things we pulled out of that was that if you go into a Sam's Club, it says on the wall, there's a quote that's attributed to Helen Walton. It was one of her favorite quotes. And it says, it's not what you gather, but what you scatter that tells the type of life that you've lived. I love that. And while we were doing character camp, that was one of the things like we were talking about our members and some of what we'd learned about them, their member insights. And it sounded like that quote. And that was a moment where we said, wait a minute, wait, this is familiar. This is very familiar what we're talking about. These people who are bringing people together and they're willing to let their home be where Thanksgiving and every holiday is hosted and just planning things and trying to do more in the community. I said, oh, this sounds really familiar. It's the quote. It's the quote on the wall. And that was one step in the process. And there, uh, we from there, we spent some time with the Purpose Institute. And they interviewed all of our leadership team, every single one of our leadership committee, not the marketing mm-hmm. leadership committee, mm-hmm. but the Sam's Club leadership committee, and asked us each just deep questions about Sam's Club and what are we doing and what is the role that we're playing and how are we fulfilling and when we're at our best. And it just went on. And then they took all of that information from these interviews. And one of the things that we realized is, man, we're all kind of saying the same thing with different words. And it was beautiful to see how aligned we were. Took that came into a workshop, another another workshop where we, you know, looked at these different components of what were our strengths and where were we very authentic, like what was truly us. And at the end of the day, that is essentially where we landed a very close version of that purpose or mission that I just communicated to you. But we did some additional communication to your point about how do you make sure everyone is involved and got a broader segment of leaders within the organization together. And 
got some feedback from them on it and they had some great insights. There was one particular component where uh, I think an earlier version said to do more for our members. And there was some pushback there. Like, that doesn't sound like us. Like, we do things for our members, but do more is not our language. That's not core to how we say what we do is we make it easy. And you say, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's right. That's, you're right. And that, I mean, it's not that we're not doing, but what we're doing is in an effort of simplification. How can we make it easier for them? And so, yeah, I just described a really long process that had a lot of steps and a lot of stakeholders, but I feel like it landed in a place that it rings true. It feels authentic to who we are. And the hope is that it continues to inspire us and keep us focused on what it is that we're doing. Uh, this is a beautiful masterclass in brand purpose, which I think is still a misunderstood concept. It's mm -hmm. not a slogan. Mm -mm. It's not an ad idea. It's a company idea. And the way you just described this, Sierra, about it's inclusive. It takes time. You respect mm -hmm. your history. Mm -hmm. you, you look at what you're building upon. You're connected to your customers with language like you just talked about, making it easier. And it, everyone owns it. Everyone. It can't be a lay on. It has to be organic in many ways. So it's a beautiful masterclass. And now, now that you have this and this great process, you know, it's about it coming to life every day, right? In daily work and yes. in how we evaluate our performance, mm -hmm. how we hire, who we promote. Mm -hmm. So could you speak a little bit about your early learning on that in, in terms of how it's impacting how people are approaching their, their work? Yes, I'll tell you, we're in the very early phases of rolling it out. And some of that work right now is helping it connect with people because it's a line, but do they understand what it means? When I say that to you, do you immediately connect with how that looks in the role that you're in? And so part of what we've done just here in the last month is help take the opportunity to talk to our associates about it, tell them stories about what does it mean to share more, right? And how, how do you see that coming to life? What does it mean to serve more and to live more? And then we, our team did a beautiful job, just hats off to our associates that worked on it, making a video, bringing it to life. And we had in that video, just people from all different functions, the associate who uh, decorates our cakes in the bakery saying how she helps our members share more. The associates who design our members mark private brand items, mm -hmm. talking about how the things that they're doing are making it easier for our members to share more or to live more. And everyone putting their own touch on it and connecting it back to their roles. And so I think by helping people see this broad cross-section of individuals who all are playing a role in that, are all connected to the mission, that they can personalize it for themselves and will continue to try and reiterate and then highlight and surface those stories so that it really becomes embedded in the culture. Yeah, fantastic. I know you've only been here a day and a half or so, but any companies or their brands or their people who you look to and say, I like what they're doing, that's a little bit, there's some insight for us. There's, a, you know, maybe an inspiration. You know, one of the um, 
people that I met just earlier today and one of the brands that I'm inspired by is Progressive. Mm. I look at the journey that they've been on and the brand work that they've yep. done. And it's so it's so consistent yet it evolves. Yeah. And I you can just see there the equity that has been built up over time. And I think that takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of discipline as a brand marketer. It takes a lot of creativity and also uh discipline on the agency side as well, right? To say, this is who we are. This is our story. This is what's working. We're going to refine and build on it. And in the end, the customer walks away. The audience is like, yeah, I know who they are. I know what that's about. In a really, in a space that's very crowded and easy, easy to have misattribution or lack of differentiation, they created it. And I'm I'm inspired by that. Um, I think it was one of the things that attracted us to Arnold or helped us mm-hmm. put Arnold on the mm-hmm. list was whose work do we like? And I was like, I really like that work. <laughs> We're having their CMO on the show later this summer, early fall. Mm-hmm. Remy Kent. I can't wait. Yes, that, that's, that's who I met yeah. this morning yeah. at, we were at the CMO Insider yep. Breakfast and there's just so much great content. I here. know. And by the way, I was at a party last night and I spoke to the creative at Arnold who does that work. Yes. And he's so energized by it. Mm-hmm. He's proud of it. You know, and, and he wants to evolve it, you know, so that's everything you want to see, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you're aiming for, that work that, one, it's impactful and delivers mm-hmm. what it needs to for the business but also is work that you can be proud of. And I feel like the work that we're doing at Sam's Club is really, really putting us in that space. I'm I'm really pleased with what it's driving for our business and really proud of how we're bringing our story to life. This, this is a great story. You really love your work. I can tell that. I do. I have a fun job. <laughs> I have a really fun job. I'm like, okay. This Are is you great. having the most fun now of any time in your career? We're going to talk about your career in a moment. It's it it's is a close. It's you know the role that it kind of rivals, and I'm sure you'll probably understand this being a long term marketer is senior brand manager. Yeah, because then that was a role where you could do it. Yeah. Like you were doing it a little bit yeah. more, and you know I was on the Walmart side. I had huge budget and was responsible for all of the uh, national price focused messaging Mm -hmm. which is a big part of that business and so that was a very fun role that I truly enjoyed and I'm not sure whether it's this role or that role that would have been my favorite but if I include that I get to go to can and (laughs) meet people like you in this and this one wins okay good super (laughs) they're both good right yes yes they're both awesome roles there was just a champagne cork that popped. Did you catch that on the soundtrack? Okay, we are in can. We're not drinking champagne here, just to be clear. <laughs> We're having a nice conversation with tea and coffee. Yes. Hopefully purchased at Sam's Club. Maybe not. Maybe not. We're there, in France. There are no Sam's Club I know. in France, so I will excuse this non-members mark water. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so let's go to your career path. You you worked in banking early mm, in your career yes. at J.P. Morgan Chase, then an inter- internship at J&J, Johnson & Johnson. Then you landed at Walmart and you've been there, including Sam's, about 15 years. Thinking back to, I think it was 2008, Mm -hmm. what attracted you to Walmart 
And what has kept you there for 15 years? So it was a mixed bag of some personal, but Mm -hmm. also professional. So on the personal side, I was a newlywed, got married before business school. So just a couple years in. And my brother-in-law was working for Walmart in Bentonville. We came down to visit while I was in school. They had their first child and we came to see them. And I was like, oh, Bentonville is kind of cool. You know, like just kind of planted a flag in my head. Like, oh, it's, you know, an interesting place. And when I heard about the opportunity with Walmart, then it was already something that, okay, I knew people there. Let me learn more about this. To be honest, I didn't know very much of what retail marketing was at that time. I remember sitting in my interview like, so what exactly are you doing? Because I was in the Northeast and didn't see a lot of Walmart ads there at that time. Mm -hmm. And what I was attracted to early on was just the opportunity to do so much work at scale because of how we are and our culture is EDLC or everyday low cost. We, we keep it very lean. We keep it very lean. And the opportunities that I was given in my first six months as a marketer at Walmart, I feel like in many places I would have had to work several years to get my very first program. So I, I two months in, was working on a program and we had a substantial budget. I was making four TV commercials and a couple of print ads. And just it was a lot at that moment, but a lot of exposure that lets you learn really fast. And that I think was really intriguing. And the fact that at Walmart, Sam's Club, there's so much breadth their breadth. There is very large companies and you can do so many different things that you never get bored. By the time you feel like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this or enjoying what I'm doing, there's another opportunity for you to go do something completely different, stretch yourself, expand your skill set. And that's what's kept it interesting. So even though it's almost 15 years now, I really don't feel like it's been a long time at all. Yeah, I know the feeling. One part of your career path at Walmart, which I thought was interesting, I heard you speak about this in another venue. Uh, We're at this Festival of Creativity here this week, and Mm -hmm. you took an opportunity to move out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You moved into field operations when you had a baby, I think. Mm -hmm. So often that that does exercise your creativity, right? Because you totally get out of your normal Mm -hmm. group, and you're with a different team, different goals, different culture, different customers in a way are different partners. So talk about that time in your life and what you took away from that, because I think it was from what I've gathered, it's pretty meaningful for you. It was, it was incredibly meaningful. I'll I'll tell you, I'll back up to what was happening right before that. I had, after that senior uh, brand manager role, I went into a role in strategy and that looked across the enterprise at things that were going on in our different business units that we could leverage to help reduce costs and improve capabilities. Mm-hmm. And while I was in that role, I had an opportunity to sit in several meetings with our EC or our executive committee, and that's our enterprise CEO and direct reports. And I would listen to how they made a lot of decisions about capital investment strategies for the future. And it felt like no matter what the discussion was, the decision would involve some type of conversation around what does this mean for our associates and what does it mean for our customers? 
And they would go back to those experiences that they'd had being on the front lines or as close to the front line. And I just reflect on the fact I don't have that at that point in my career. I did not have that. I didn't know what it meant necessarily for the customer from a lens that had interacted and seen that on a day to day. And I wanted it. I said, I want to go get that perspective for myself and was fortunate to uh, be given the opportunity to go and be a developmental market manager and then a market manager in neighborhood market stores for Walmart in Alabama and Mississippi and Tennessee. And I feel like I often call that time, you know, if I, if business school was my MBA, that that was equivalent of like a doctorate in leadership because you have so much responsibility and motivating. It was close to a thousand associates across the different stores and maintaining t- that focus that you want to have on the customer and how you serve them, um, it really did help stretch me. I think it helped change my perspective on what it means to to be a leader. And even now that I've come back, I did that role for three years. And since coming back, like, I don't look at anything the same. I, I see, every, like, once your filter or lens that you view the world has been opened, it doesn't really close back. So, and I feel really fortunate to have had that experience. Do you think you change as a leader as a result of that and being more, I don't know, empathetic toward the field or just you understood oh, their 100%, daily work? Oh, 100%. I am very empathetic about when you know what's going on, like just on a given day, the amount of things that are happening for our unit leaders, our store and club leaders that some things that are within their control, some things that are outside of their control and how they still are trying to pull it all together um, for our members, it makes you incredibly empathetic. And I view in my role as a leader with the membership and marketing, the responsibility to help make it easy. Mm -hmm. I cannot make their lives more complicated. And that is a challenge that we put on ourselves as a team we don't always get it right, but it is a perspective that we have and it's a goal that we have and really want to be respectful to our operators because they do so much. And I, I witnessed it firsthand. Actually, it's a little twist on your purpose, right? It works for your associates. Yes. Mm-hmm. As well as your customers. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move into the creative brief. And we're here in Cannes Lions, so this mm. is going to be extra creative. Yeah. And the first question I have is, I've heard you say that if you weren't doing this beautiful work you're doing at Walmart or Sam's Club, you might be a novelist yes. or a jazz lounge owner. <laughs> so, Sierra, if you were to do a novel, and this is kind of putting you on the spot, what would your first book be about? There's a lot of different topics that have gone through my mind, and I think that's probably the hardest part um, and why I haven't started a book yet is because I can't seem to decide on which topic I would love to write a book about. Maybe we can talk that offline. Yes, let's do that. As the author of a few books, I have a few (laughs) thoughts about it. Now, maybe this is an easier question. If you had a jazz lounge, what's the first act you'd like to book if you had unlimited budget? Oh, man. Um, It's tough because I don't have the budget to bring people back to life, but I love the the greats uh, of yeah. that space. I mean, 
it would be all about Ella Fitzgerald and yeah. Billie Holiday and Sarah Vaughn. There's an idea there. Do you know Damon Jones at PNG? I'm going to do a little plug here. Do you know Damon Jones? No. He's the head no. of communications at PNG. He has a jazz lounge in downtown Cincinnati and over the Rhine, oh. a really trendy neighborhood called Nostalgia. Oh, wow. And it's really good. It's really fun. I will have to check so that out. So next time in Cincinnati, we're coming up to visit. I was in Cincinnati too. I didn't know. You got to look up Damon Jones and go to his lounge. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be inspiring for you. Awesome. I will. Okay. Damon will thank me for the plug. He's going to get more <laughs> more foot traffic. Okay. Uh, what's the first brand you remember activating your creativity when you were a young girl? For me, I would have to say Barbie. Mm. I Barbie. This is, is the summer of Barbie. Barbie was probably like my first childhood memory honestly the one that i could say oh i remember that and i was four years old i remember for my fourth birthday the thing that i wanted most was this barbie jacuzzi (laughs) i don't know why i remember that too but i just said oh man i like and i remember like all the anticipation leading up to it i just had to have it and that morning waking up and opening it up and i was I was sad. My Barbies were going to be living the life <laughs> as I just pressed that little like plastic button that made bubbles pop up. <laughs> but Mattel's yeah. going to love this show. Mm-hmm. You going to see the Barbie movie this summer? I think so. Uh, I'm a mom of two girls, 12 and nine. Yeah. And my nine-year-old, she plays with Barbies. And I love that. I love that in all of the things and spaces that kids enjoy today for entertainment that she still enjoys that moment of pretend play. Mm-hmm. It's really special. How do you show your team at Sam's Club that you value creativity? That I think is a really important question and one that I don't know that I've quite solved. Um, I think one of the things that we're trying out is knowing when there's those moments that you need to create a better environment for creativity that fosters it. There's the day-to-day that we work in, which is maybe not the best for -hmm. getting your most inspired thoughts. And then there's programs or times or challenges that you have where you want to bring all of the creativity forward. And so what I've done most recently is just taking time when the team is faced with a particular challenge where I feel like we need to bring creative thinking into the mix is really challenging. Are we creating the environment? Is this something that we want to do things a little bit differently? Do we want to bring the teams together? Do we want to have an offsite? How do we want to tackle it Mm -hmm. versus jumping right into the analyzing of the ideas, take a minute and allow people the opportunity to step back and make a better moment. It's a good week to get inspiration on that here at Can, asking other people that. Because mm. I think it is an important leadership question. I think mm-hmm. about that a lot with myself. How do I show that this is what I value? This is what's important. Yes. What creative idea in your career that you have worked on is most memorable and meaningful for you? Uh, I'm struggling between two right now. But I'd say if I went with the original one or the the earliest creative idea, I would say it was in my time working at Walmart where we were bringing to market the low price guarantee. And we were given the challenge. uh, There was a team that had really developed a very strong performing asset 
on the see for yourself concept of if you have the receipt and you compare it to another supermarket uh, that you would save money at Walmart. And I was working on national though, so we couldn't use that same local concept. And that was the challenge was how could you prove out this idea? How could you communicate this message about how much people could save nationally when at the time, not a real national supermarket competitor, prices vary, all types of complication. And I remember while I was working on this, spending so much time working with legal, I was going down to- I've been there. I was going to our lawyer's office every day, sometimes probably twice a day with just different ideas. Like, what about if we tried it like this? Would that be okay? Or what do we, (laughs) and just getting lots and lots of feedback. And we ended in a place that we were able to put the concept on air and it did very well. It performed just about as well as the local Mm. ones with the information, but all that we did, we did the whole setup where you have a member and they're comparing to stores. But at the end, when they showed the customer the savings, the audience didn't see it all you saw was the customer's reaction. And that was fun. It was really, really fun to, you know, have that moment where something that in the beginning you're told you can't do it. No, you you need to figure out how to do this, but you can't do it. And working through all of the challenges, ending in a place, and it was a really, really well-performing campaign that we did for over a year. Creativity within constraints, right? Sometimes the constraints are great. Yeah. And the reason why I bring that one up and why I go to that one first is because I feel like it shaped my way of thinking. It created this, like the idea that anything is possible. Like, don't feel like just because it hasn't been done or just because you've been told that it's very difficult, that it's impossible. It's not. Just keep trying. And you made friends in the legal department, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, very, very good friends with our legal as a result. And I think it's important that, you know, it's the legal team that works with a marketing group, um, it's a very, very special breed. Very, 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 it very is. special because uh, marketers by nature, push they it. have to push. Yeah. They have to push. And uh, they help us play within the lines. Is there a creative idea that you've worked on in your career that you now look at and sort of cringe? I mean, I have a bunch in mind. When I look at some, the ki- my, my kids make fun of the ads I used to make. Right? They're so awful to look at now from the 80s and, you know, early 90s, especially the 80s. I, I feel like for me, without thinking about any particular one, I'll say that I usually feel like that when I look at things like as recently as six months ago. Mm. It could be six months ago. A year, I'm like, why, was I, why did we do it like that? What was why, I thinking? <laughs> why didn't we do this? Because yeah. you learn and you get better. And something that was a great idea a year ago, two years ago, six months ago, in the context of what you know now, there's just so much opportunity to improve upon it. So yeah, pretty much everything would be my <laughs> answer to that. <laughs> That's a good one. Now, I know we're early in the weekend here, but you're going to go home to your team after Mm -hmm. this week is over with a couple of your colleagues who are here. Any thoughts on how you'll bring this learning to life when you go back home? We'll need to spend some time taking them through the work. I've been taking lots and lots of notes, as many pictures as I can Mm -hmm. to try and recreate as much of it as they can see in the way that I've received it. 
but I know there's a lot that will get lost in translation. Mainly it'll be about how do we pull together the key themes mm-hmm. yeah. and really make sure they connect with that rather than try and take them through everything yeah. that we saw or everything, even that was meaningful. Like what are the couple of things that we'll boil it down to that we really want the team to action on and think about differently? Creativity and inspiration are very linked. So I'd like to ask you the last question. Who really inspires you in your life? That's a great question. I feel most inspired by my children. My daughters inspire me to like really keep pushing and to show them what's possible. I think there's been times where, you know, there are thoughts that you have to choose one or the other. You can be good at the family part. You can be good at the professional part. But you can't do them both. Can't do them both at the same time, certainly. And I am not saying that I'm great at it all, but I want to show them that I think it's important if you desire a certain career, if you desire a certain path, if you desire uh, to have a family of your own, Don't choose because people tell you you have to choose. Try to do it all. I love it. That's a good place to end. It's a beautiful story, a beautiful thought. Sierra, thank you for this. Thank you. It's been lovely meeting you. I'll see you later in the week. Yes. So this is just the beginning. I'm looking forward to it. So thanks for all you're doing. I love your purpose story. I love I love your uh, I love everything about how you approach your work and your team. So uh, this has been a great inspiration. Well, this has been an inspiration. And thank you for doing this podcast. I think it inspires so many CMOs. I mean, to hear from you and your career itself has been legendary. And to see you keep investing in leaders through the work that you're doing, it's it's really making a difference. It's really impactful. I thank appreciate you for you. that. Thank you. That was my conversation with Sierra Anfield. Three takeaways from this one for your business brand and life. The first one is the power of empathy. We talk about empathy a lot in this show. Sierra told the story of how she took an assignment in the field. She got to understand field operations for three years. She got to know the associates, got even closer to her customers. The big lesson here is if you have the opportunity in your company, take an assignment which gets you even closer to your customers and the people who are working most closely with your customers. Second lesson. Purpose, purpose, purpose. Sierra gave a masterclass on how to think about arriving to a purpose for your your company, including everybody in the process, having it mean something for your customers and associates, and activating it across your company. This was a beautiful story about purpose as a business driver and an organization driver. Third takeaway, this always improving mindset. Sierra said her superpower was... She's happy with her work, but never satisfied, not in a weird way or not in a destructive way, in a positive way. She is of a mindset that she will always improve as she goes through her work and through her life. And then a bonus takeaway. I loved how she said she's inspired by her daughters and a beautiful little story about her daughters and how she is enjoying watching them develop and wants them to make the right choices in their life and career to set them on the right path. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.